This is the Mooks and the Gripes podcast. I am Trevor, provided that Paul. <laughs> I love it. Paul, I'd never do this without you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. Nope. I'm glad you got another one in the ready to go, you know? Well, I did. I finally did what I said I was going to do and, and got a list. Doesn't mean I'll always look at it or be prepared, but right. <laughs> I at least got that step I've been meaning to do for, uh, let's see, since April. So. Yeah, I was going to say, like, 16, 17 episodes in, we got it down to a science. <laughs> yes. Yep. Well, here we are. Um, uh, we're recording this uh, a little bit earlier, but I know when this is going to go live. I hope you have had a Merry Christmas and you're looking forward to a Happy New Year and celebrating the New Year coming up tomorrow night. Uh, December 31st, always a fun time of year for me. Um, I like the, the holidays season between Christmas and New Year's just because it it feels so reflective in a way and um, anticipatory of the new year. It can be a little dreadful sometimes when I don't want what's coming in the new year. Right. <laughs> um, but I'm excited. I'm looking forward to the new year. This is our first new year where we're starting out with the podcast uh, from the get-go and I'm looking forward to where we go with this. I'm looking forward to hearing more from listeners, which listeners, thanks so much for your emails. They're the ones that come in just kind of randomly from people, even on old topics that uh, you even say things like, we know that you guys aren't uh, talking about this anymore. I came to this episode a little bit late, but here's this I appreciate that, and I do plan to to share some of those as we as we go through all of this. Uh, you're always welcome. We we love to hear from you and love to to respond. And I'm just excited for the new year. I'm sure there'll be some of you that we're going to meet in 2022 that will yeah. become good friends. I'm excited about that. <laughs> yeah, I do, and I'm picturing some of you out there listening to this episode, maybe while you're digging through your. Uh, piles of new books, hopefully, and, you know, starting to think about what you're going to read next. So hopefully everybody had some nice time with family and got lots of good bookish presents and lots of good food. Yeah, we'd talk about that specifically. Like I'd ask you, hey, Paul, did you get any new books for Christmas? But we don't know yet. <laughs> I know. We still are looking ahead and looking forward to it. But yeah, I do love that part of it. It's so much fun to just see, you know, sometimes it's a gift card or a gift certificate. Or sometimes it's actual physical books or subscriptions, all kinds of fun book, bookish things to look at. Did you put any books, any particular books on your Christmas wish list? You know, I've had, it's funny, I have this Amazon wish list that I've had for like a decade. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of my, I, I put things there so I don't forget them basically for my own good. Um, but then I'll send it around to family. Like, you know, if you're ever looking for ideas, I try to mark them by priority. And then of course I always encourage them you know, look here, but maybe get it from an independent bookstore or something like that. I, I mm -hmm. definitely put that in their ear. But yeah, so I kind of have a working list. And yeah, at top of my list, one that I'm actually going to talk about later today is the um, the books of Jacob, the Fitzcarraldo, oh, yes. the new, you know, from Olga Tkarczyk. I'm always bad at saying her name. Um, that one's very, very high on my list. And then um, the new Hernan Diaz, who wrote mm -hmm. In the Distance, um, that's coming out. So yeah, there's some those are there's some new ones that are coming out um, that are high on my list, and then of course, as always, I have a huge amount of backlist. I mean, I think by now on that list, there's probably, you know, I don't even know, two hundred, two hundred and fifty books that have just been. <laughs> some of them I I probably should take down because they're from like ten years ago that I put them on there. But yeah, it's kind of fun because every once in a while, my wife will look through 
for a birthday or Christmas on that list. And she won't look at the very top, the, the bright and shiny. She'll dig uh-huh. down and try to find something. And so I'll end up getting a book that I put on there maybe seven years ago. And so it's kind of fun. That is yeah. kind of fun. Yeah. How about you, though? What are you? Well, What's really on your list? quick, did you, with the books, Jacob, mm-hmm. did you send your wife on the big project, which was to get that special limited, like unbound box that's kind of expensive and she'd have to have it shipped somewhere in the UK and get it here. Uh, is that the one you asked for or did you just ask I for it? I think the... I just asked for the just the standard regular. I did see that and I was tempted to try it. But yeah, that was the one that, <laughs> like you said, it doesn't ship directly to the right. US, I believe. So yeah, now I figured this time of year she has a new job and all the, the craziness of shopping. I better not, you know, that seemed like a little much, <laughs> but I, I would think... love to see that one someday. So with that book, I'm going to stick with, I, I love Fitzcarraldo, but it's coming out here in the U.S. pretty soon. I'm going to I'm gonna be patient and just wait mm-hmm. for that to, to hit. Yeah, uh, I've heard that there are some advantages to the U.S. version or the non-Fitzcarraldo version because I believe there's some, some images or photographs mm, in there okay. that maybe aren't included in the Fitzcarraldo. So yeah, we'll have to compare notes once, you know, assuming, I'm, I'm assuming that once we get all of our various editions in. Well, I think one. it's Riverhead. Riverhead does good work with their with their books, so I'm I am excited one way or the other for the book itself, one way or the other. But my apologies, you asked me what what uh, is on my Christmas wish list, and I may have told you. I can't remember if I did it on the podcast or if I did it offline or if I even did. Uh, but I finally went through the NYRB Classics backlist from about a decade ago. Uh, books that I never bought when I first started reading NYRB Classics. So maybe even about more like 15 years ago, 2008, I think was the first time that I started reading NYRB Classics and and kind of collecting them. So there were a lot of books from that era that I've been wanting to own, but I just, you know, they're just, they're on my Christmas wish list for a decade, like yours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I finally prioritized some of those and I'm looking forward to seeing which ones I might get, if any, I, but I think, I think my wife will, you know, she, yeah. she, she knows you by now. Of me. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> so, that's a really good idea. And that's, yeah, I like that idea of looking back because sometimes it's so easy to always look at the new stuff, the new mm-hmm. stuff, the new stuff. And, and uh, yeah, that's a really good idea. Well, and one that I know she got me is Cassandra at the Wedding by Dorothy Baker. And that's because I ordered it from the Harvard Bookstore sale for her to give to me. (laughs) (laughs) So there was that one. One was uh, L.P. Hartley's uh, Eustace and Hilda. Uh, I can't remember some of the other ones. They're big. Some of them are really big books. Eustace and Hilda, for example, is is a a chunker. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's three in one. But really excited about that. Finally fill in some of those old gaps that I just haven't haven't gotten. So yeah, I love I'll let idea. you know. I'll let you know whether I did or not. Sounds good. <laughs> well, I have my fingers crossed for you. I appreciate it. So we're going to be talking today uh, about looking ahead, about our 2022 reading resolutions. Um, but first, have you been reading anything you'd like to talk about today? Yeah, I have. So I'm going to start to sound like a broken record here, but I'm still making my way through Don Quixote slowly, but surely. Actually, not that slowly. It's been very fun and and relatively easy 
you know, it, it's kind of a page turner, as I think I might have mentioned before. It's broken up into fairly small little sections, and each one is a different funny conversation or adventure. So I've, I'm finding it actually pretty propulsive. Um, I, I've already started onto the second half, book two. So I had kind of talked about it for holiday reading plans, and it, it'll work out nicely because I think at this rate, you know, I might even finish it here in the middle of December or something. So mm-hmm. yeah, I've really been enjoying that. And then in the meantime, as I've talked about, I tend to also do like an audiobook during my commutes or doing the dishes or things like that. And I've been listening to The Visiting Privilege, New and Collected hmm. Stories by Joy Williams. So, you know, this is the first time I've ever read anything by her, actually. Um, for some reason, I'd always had her pegged, and I think it's the book covers that have come out in the past. Mm-hmm. I had her pegged as just not my thing, and I don't know exactly what that means. I think maybe I thought it was a little fluffy or more of an airport novel or something like that. Just oh, again, mostly based. <laughs> I know shows, shows how little I knew, but um, again, based, I think mostly on the covers, they just covers. You don't want to judge the book by the cover, but you know, there's the truth of that statement. And sometimes you end up going in the very long, wrong direction. And that's what happened here. Um, so anyway, I think a lot of the buzz around her new book, the changeling that I had seen from people this year, kind of changed my mind and made me realize, wait, I think this is not what I thought it was. And so I just decided to give her a try and I'm really glad that I did. Um, so yeah, these stories, this is a collection and mostly it's older stories with a few new stories at the very end. And, you know, there's all kinds of stuff going on in these stories. It sounds like maybe you're familiar with her, her work. Yes. But, yeah. yeah. I, I've, I've liked it for, for a long time mm-hmm. and I'm exceptionally curious about how they play in audio. Yeah. They, this has a, a number of different readers. Um, I'll hmm. look it up here in a second. I don't remember who all they are, but it has probably four or five different readers, some women. And then Richard Powers is one of the readers, actually. Hmm. Um, and yeah, I would say that they play really well. Um, listening to short stories is always interesting because there's so much nuance and oddity, especially in hers, yeah. that I think sometimes... I'm, I don't think I'm getting the full experience. And so I do think... Luckily, I see her on a lot of the used bookstore shelves, and that's where I've written her off in the past. And so I think what I'm going to do is finish listening to this, but certainly pick it up and and go back through and revisit some of these where I can give them a little bit of a closer reading. But yeah, I mean, I, I saw in Vogue, they had said, you know, characters in her fiction seek out the signs and symbols the world broadcasts, but often, as we all do, misinterpret them or escape them entirely, leaving them for the reader to witness. And I thought that was a really good description because, you know, I saw in several of people's descriptions of her saying memorably unclassifiable fiction. (laughs) And I feel like that's (laughs) as I was trying to think of how to describe her or talk about her. That sounds about right to me. Like I have a hard time really putting my finger on exactly what she does. And maybe you'd be better at it than I would. But um, I don't know. It's, It's just really compelling. Some of the lines and the characters in here are just stunning, too. Like she is so good at that what we've talked about with short stories where you capture this one moment in time and i don't know like i said i'm not i don't feel like i'm saying a whole lot that is super (laughs) intelligible here but she's just amazing she's it's it's odd she has stories that pop up in the new yorker every once in a while Mm -hmm. and i'm always really excited because you simply don't know what you're going to get other Mm -hmm. than it'll probably bend your mind a little bit and make you confused (laughs) <laughs> and some of the commenters uh, on my site really like it and others just, you know, write it off as, uh, as a, a waste of time. Mm-hmm. I certainly don't feel like it's a waste of time. She, it's almost like she is Barbara Cummins 
leaning really into the bizarre. But with this twinge of familiarity that makes it also very uncomfortable Mm -hmm. in the way that it just gets at this, these familiar relationships or familiar people. Um, I don't know. It's like uh, having a bug under your skin sometimes. Ooh, it it like just, that. I don't know. It's yeah. They're they're they're. But but I find them exceptionally uh, dense as well. Mm-hmm. That's why I was curious about listening to them. I'm not sure if I'd be. Uh, I I would like to try that, especially maybe with the book open. That's what I would recommend. Yeah, I think I've said sometimes with audio. What I tend to do is try it for new authors that I'm not sure what. What, what mm-hmm. to expect rather than going out and buying the book or maybe somebody who I don't think I would get to otherwise. And so, yeah, that's kind of was the case here. But then in a case like this where it really resonates, that's when I'll go back and, and follow up more closely. And I like that idea. I think this would be a perfect one to do that thing we've talked about where you listen to the audiobook while you read. But yeah, I will say that the production value and in the, in the readings themselves by these authors are excellent. So, nice. um, you know, I would I would encourage people to give that a try. But yeah, I think you did a great job describing her. You you didn't even know what I was going to say, and I think you did a better job. So, yeah. Nice. <laughs> well, I've been trying for a long time because I have written about her mm-hmm. um, probably half a dozen times over the years. And so, yeah, I, I've been I've been cheating a little bit. <laughs> well, what is interesting about her is I tend to have an aversion to like a quirky character, or at least I'm very yeah. wary of that. And a lot of the characters in her books could be described in that way, but somehow she manages to not only pull it off, but make it really excellent. Um, you know, just writing as little kids or like, you know, weird adults or, or people that are on the outside. But like, I don't know. I don't know about you, but quirky for me can go wrong really quickly to yeah. the point where it just really irritates me and gets on my nerves. Um, it's one of my biggest, if we ever do a pet peeves episode, that would be high on my list. But somehow, I don't know exactly what it is that she does different, but she can pull it off. Well, and, and you're probably right. That's that's another thing that sounds, and I can't remember specifically, but sounds like um, a turnoff for some people on the blog when they're talking about her work and their experience reading her story. Uh, that and, and ending it without really knowing what even happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are two things. But I agree with you. I think her quirkiness pays off yeah i do too. and, and it, it fits it fits it's not just for the sake of being a, a weird voice or whatever no definitely not and and as far as leaving it un unfinished that's actually one of my favorite things about them i really love that about her and i like that she is kind of unapologetically not dark but bordering on dark you know she doesn't try to wrap it up with a neat bow or make you feel better at the end i mean sometimes there are some where there's some hope or some optimism but there's somewhere i wouldn't say there is and and that's kind of refreshing to me sometimes actually nice yeah nice how about you what are you reading these days well i'm not very far yet but i did start with the whole listening and reading experience with david copperfield Ah. and so there we go but i just i just started it just 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 started it so i don't even know how i feel yet other than it's super pleasant just to get into the, and I'm listening to a version that a lot of people have recommended. It's uh, Richard Armitage, uh, re, uh, per, you know, performed by, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Richard Armitage, and just really, really, really enjoying it. I mean, it's 
I'll have more to say on it hopefully soon. Um, or, you know, because we're recording these a little out of order, maybe I've already said it to listeners in the last episode, but I'm excited about it. So that's, that's the one that I just started, but I'm also right in the middle. And I told you this a, a little bit ago. Um, I'm in the middle of Miss Born Era 2 by Brandon Sanderson. Um, I'm in uh, the second book there and really enjoying it, though I haven't had a chance to read it as much this past week because of COVID booster and not feeling very well and busyness with family and, you know, holidays all over the place, which is its own type of joy, but it has made it so that I'm missing out on, on some of the, the reading time, but I I wouldn't Mm -hmm. give it up. For example, last night, um, my wife and I, uh, after the kids went to bed, which we rarely do, went down and played Mario party with each other. Oh, nice. That sounds <laughs> and like it fun. was so much fun. It's something we used to do back when we were dating or, you know, just married. And it was just the two of us, but mm-hmm. we've been so tired <laughs> for a decade nice. or so <laughs> that we don't really do that, but it was so much fun. And so I wouldn't have changed that to be like, Oh, I wish I could have read another, you know, 20, 30 pages of uh, shadows of self is the name of the, the Mistborn book I'm reading. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's just that, that trade-off, sometimes a good thing, and sometimes you're trading it off for things that you'd rather not be doing. But right. that's that's where my head has been. Uh, so thank goodness for these that I can kind of dip into audio-wise as well when I'm mm-hmm. doing the dishes or whatever. Yeah, but that those are like a lot of fun. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, we need to start doing this in the other order. I always feel like I'm talking about things we've already talked about, and they're not as... Um, as unique and interesting as yours, but I guess maybe we start with yours to really, you know, pull our listeners in. (laughs) (laughs) No, they are just waiting. They're here for the Mario content. Like they're just trying to, (laughs) yeah, yeah, Don Quixote, whatever you've been talking about that for a month now, 2022, we're changing the podcast. It's now (laughs) a Mario podcast. My, (laughs) my sons would be thrilled. They would, they would listen at that point. Yeah, We would boost our readership (laughs) by at least four. (laughs) Yeah, I wonder if we'd be like the uh, the out of step dads podcasting about it for the youth, or maybe even the oh, grandparents. Yeah. I don't know. I think so. I, yeah. probably, I don't think it would probably go in the way that we intended it to go. Wouldn't really work that long, I don't think. No, <laughs> probably not. But, all right. Well, let's do what we're what we probably have been uh, been born and bred to do. Let's yeah. talk about books. <laughs> exactly. Our our comfort zone. So we're we're calling this our 2022 reading resolutions. That word has a lot of weight. And I'm very curious, Paul, whether you make resolutions, whether you think this is a good thing or a negative thing, uh, whether you make a particular kind of resolution, if you do. So let's start let's start there. Do you yearly make reading resolutions? I do, but I think probably a very loose definition of that word mm-hmm. as you've probably seen from you know talking to me over the years like i'll usually have some books on my radar you know down the road like don quixote or somebody like like that you know like nine months ago i was already kind of thinking about that and so i certainly am always thinking ahead and kind of scanning my yeah. bookshelf and sometimes i'll pull things out and put them in little piles but at the same time i definitely am not one of those people who have a list of an order or because mm-hmm. I, I like the serendipity of, of especially, you know, in the, like with Twitter and everything, there's always these books that are coming onto your radar that you never even heard of, mm-hmm. or maybe you just are not in the mood or you look over your shelf and one catches your eye. So I, I would say that I definitely have kind of general resolutions. 
Yeah. And I'll, I can talk a little bit more in detail about what I mean by that, but I think, yeah, not anything that's real prescriptive for sure. How about you? Um, probably the same. I don't know if I've ever been really good at resolutions of any type right. around the new years and reading probably is the thing that made me realize, man, why do I even do this? Mm-hmm. A week later, I am on to something else. I don't even care about these you know, books that I was so excited to start, or at least something else has come up and taking, taken precedence. So I realized, you know, after years of doing this and publishing it on the blog or whatever, mm-hmm. The, and then looking back on it a year later when I'm writing my next one and thinking, I, I didn't do any of those. <laughs> I didn't touch those. Right. What am I doing this for? You know, what's the point of a resolution if you don't even keep it for beyond the day it took you to, to think about it? And then I realized, I think that's part of what I like about it for me personally. Um, I love the, uh, the act of reflecting on the past year and of... Making plans, but not plans that become hurdles or definitive. I'm with you for sure on the, the having the flexibility because, I mean, frankly, what does wistful Christmas hungover me mm-hmm. know about what I'll be going through and what I'll need to read in, you know, May or right. August or whenever? And so I, I don't like, I never, you know, Later on, I'm like, man, I was such an idiot. Who who was that guy? You know, <laughs> set this up for me. I'm not going to do that. All right. And I still do it though. And I've I've tried to be a little more. Um, I've tried to be a little better at going through them because I have enjoyed accomplishing some of them. That brings a sense of of joy. And I think I've told you before. I've admired that you do get to these things. You know, you set a goal and it's it's particular and it's not super lofty that like it's not like you said, I'm going to read Don Quixote and every other early Spanish book. You know, (laughs) I'm going to read Don Quixote and, you know, these 30 other books this year uh, that are all related to it uh, because, you know, you you, you have a good way of, of looking at these things. And so I have been better at sticking to some of these goals, but also trying to get get out of it. But but I still think doing these resolutions is important to me personally. And I'll get into that in just a second. Uh, why? Why do I think that? You know, you asked me uh, a little bit, and I'll, I'll wanna, I want to turn it back to you for a second to, to get your thoughts on what you said there a second ago. You can go into a little bit more detail about your resolutions and, and why yeah. you do them. Yeah, so I think I, the reason I do them, like you said, is somewhat just that idea of looking ahead, but it also, it kind of sparks that, that joy that we talk about Mm -hmm. so much with, it's just good way of putting it. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, some, some of the joy you get when you're looking through the NYRB catalog at new and upcoming things. I mean, a lot of us, I know who both of us talking right now, and then a lot of our listeners I know have shelves and shelves of books and just by the nature of what it is, you know, we probably have not read a good chunk of those. And so to me, it's, it is almost like a free shopping trip where you're just like having fun. I mean, it's just looking through all these, gives you a chance to kind of go through and get some of the dust off a few of those that you haven't looked at in a while and pull them mm-hmm. out. Like I need to get to that one or something like that. And yeah, so I think that's a lot of it for me is just revisiting your old friends. You know, maybe you're going to reread some books and maybe there's one that you've had, you bought it. Mm-hmm. You know, I have some books that I know like when Borders went out, 
you know, whatever that was 10 years ago, <laughs> they had a 50% off sale and I've had them on my shelves that I picked them up at that time. And I have just never gotten to them. So it's like, I don't know. It's just that nice balance of, of looking back on some of those. Like, why have I not gotten to that? Maybe that'll be a good one for this year. But again, for me, it's not, if I make it into an assignment or like you were saying with Don Quixote, if I try to, I do not tend to turn it into a project, like where I'm going to not only study Don Quixote, but all these other texts that were around him at the time, like, you know, not to say I wouldn't want to do that sometime, but generally for me, I do tend to pick like, here's some different ideas that I would like to explore this year, vague, and then kind of work from there. Okay. Yeah. yeah I'm very curious about the types of goals you've set or, or resolutions or intentions. I think it was mm-hmm. Simon Savage on the readers several years ago who had the same affliction that I do of getting a great idea telling everybody about it and then getting another great idea and never doing the other one. <laughs> right. um, and he finally said, it, these are reading intentions. These are the things I intend right now, but I don't want to be locked into a resolution. Like I have resolved to do this thing and then feeling like a failure later on when I don't do it. Mm-hmm. And like I say, that process made me step back and try to think, why do I do this then? And I think you say it really well with the, it's the thing that brings up the joy. It's the, it's the anticipation. It's the, it's the hope. Mm-hmm. There's an, there's an injection of hope in, in a project like this of sitting down and making a, 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 a thoughts about what's coming up in the future. You might not accomplish those particular things, but the hope is real and the excitement that that can inspire and hopefully some of the experiences will still accomplish the same thing. So, for example, when I look at um, my reading uh, intentions for the year, it might not I might not accomplish any of these things that we're about to talk about. But I do know that I'm more deliberate in my reading when I do this and that I'm more deliberate in, in separating the time and maybe sitting down at the evening with a hot drink and my wife uh, to read a book on the couch or in the summertime going out on the porch in our rocking chairs and reading for a couple of hours as the sun sets or going out by the fire to read some short stories in the, in the late spring, you know, when it's still cold outside. And, and those are reading things that I, I love to do. And when I'm looking forward I kind of picture them mm-hmm. as I'm looking at these books and it, it becomes a sense, it gives me a sense of well being uh, that I might lack otherwise in years when I haven't done this or years when I know I'm not reading deliberately. We've talked about this before, but reading is, is something that's very important for my mental health and well being, particularly in the winter months. I'm not going to give up the resolutions because again, I need that hope yeah. and that, that, that desire to carve out that time and read by candlelight, you know, at my desk. Mm -hmm. And even when things are busy and going on, that can be healing and, and help me through it. So that's why I still do it. And why, if I don't do it, I actually do start missing out on those particular experiences. So, yeah, I think that's a great point. I really like that. It's almost in some ways like a commitment to something that you love, you know, where it's, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't want to say like renewing your vows, but um, (laughs) maybe a little bit of that whole idea. It's acknowledging this is an important part of my life. It's fun to Mm -hmm. plan about. It's important enough that I want to think about it. Yeah, I really like that, that idea of it. And 
Yeah, I, think I don't take it as seriously as my, uh, you know, fidelity to my <laughs> wife and all that. But uh... <laughs> exactly, not saying it's the same. Yeah, no, I like that idea. Um, and then I don't know too. I think there's something like to be said for just kind of these ongoing things. Like if if you're just thinking about it all the time, like we do. I, one that comes to mind for me is Jenny Colvin on Reading MD. Mm-hmm. I think we've mentioned her a couple of times. I know that she has kind of an ongoing project and I believe she's been doing it for years where she's just kind of reading her way around the world. And I was trying to look up the details. I don't have it right in front of me, but I believe she's trying to read at least one book from every country in the world. And I know that just from having listened to her podcast for so many years, this has not been, I'm going to do this in one year or I'm going to do this by this date. It's just kind of a fun, ongoing project that she's doing. And I think just for different people, there are different things like that that just kind mm-hmm. of keep you going. And, you know, there might be six months where you don't even touch a book from that project. But when you yeah. want to return to it, it's there waiting for you. And I think there's a lot of value and fun in that, too. Yeah. One of mine that I made last year for 2021 was my uh, list of betterment, which I've talked yeah. about several times. And that's very much an ongoing, potentially you know, up until I die, mm-hmm. <laughs> a project of these 50 books. I've been doing pretty good at getting through them. I um, I, I should be able to keep on going uh, and, and maybe even make another one someday. But that has been awesome. But it, it could become its own trap mm-hmm. where I feel like those are the only books that I can read and, and, and start to feel that resentment to a list, to a project or to a past self who didn't know what was good for him. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But it hasn't become that at all because I've got that flexibility and I figured, I figured out a way to, to make it work while still enjoying the the moment too. That reminds me when you posted all that, probably around this time last year. Mm -hmm. Yep. It um, was. I know that you had tweeted out some things asking for people for their ideas. And I think there was both a general list of betterment, but also an NYRB Mm -hmm. specific list of betterment. I need to revisit because I know I responded to both of those posts <laughs> and I don't know that I've actually really been paying much attention to that, but I'd be curious if some of those lodged in my brain and if I've read any of them over the past year, yeah. so I might have to go do that. Maybe I'll let you know how that goes, but um, I there's, love that list of betterment idea. There's something about writing it down. I've found that even on our podcast, when I go back and edit these, I'm like, Oh, I intended to read that. I, mm-hmm. I'm glad I did that. You know, Talking about it doesn't quite do the same as writing it down and publishing it no, <laughs> to true. make it stick. So I'd be mm-hmm. curious too, if any of them stuck for you, not that it makes it different or better. Um, but my memory uh, does not serve me very well for no, things that I've just, uh, uh, you know, if someone says something on Twitter, I, I may say, Oh yeah, I'm going to do that too. And then I didn't even think about it again. Like that is I the know. moment and it is gone. <laughs> exactly. Oh. But, but I will put these lists up on bookshop.org or at least somewhat and, and kind of refer to them in, in our blog post. Uh, but yeah, you, you might have to, you might have to revisit this uh, every few months to make sure you're, you're remembering why you set these things up and whether you yeah. still want to do them or not. Exactly. But I'm very curious. Um, do, do you have anything else you want to kind of go over with when it comes to reading resolutions? Um, it sounds like you do them and you like them. Mm-hmm. And you do a pretty good job of following them. Uh, I'm I'm excited. I'm, I'm assuming that yours might be like mine, where there may be a mix of a book, specific book you want to read, a mix of more general thematic things mm-hmm. you want to do, or general author or topic or something like that. So I'm excited to 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 get into this. 
Yeah, what's uh, what's your first one you want to share? Okay, well, I spoiled this one a little bit in our last episode, but and we talked about <laughs> it, so I, will, I won't touch on it too much. But just the, the Shakespeare project is definitely something that I am going. I, I'm really excited about it, I, and I I can't say from the last time that we talked about it that I've really gotten any further with details on it. But again, that's kind of how I do these resolutions. My 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 goal is something to do with reading a lot of Shakespeare, and I have yet to work out the details. But mm-hmm. um, I think what I'm going to do is just kind of maybe crowdsource a little bit or just look around on the internet and figure out what are some ways that people have done this in the past that they found really fulfilling? You know, is there a certain order? Should I just dip in and out? You know, do I need to go in any kind of historical order or just whatever, but more than anything, it's just to get back in and have fun and revisit Mm -hmm. Shakespeare. It's just, you know, I don't, I don't need to say much more about it, but you know, he comes up all the time in as a reader, you know, whether it's, an allusion to him or a direct reference or whatever. And it's, so it's just one of those where it's always like, Oh, I need to get to that. Oh, I need to get to that. And I think this is the year where I'm going to start to make it happen. And then this may, you know, spread out over a number of years for all I know, but more than anything, just kind of get started and see where it goes. Nice. And I don't know if you saw, but we did get a DM this morning from our good friend, Ben um, on Twitter. Did you get a chance to see that? I did see that. Yeah. Well, let's, let's look at it just really quick. It's just very short. He says, I enjoyed the holiday reading episode. Gents, Paul mentioned taking on Shakespeare as a reading project. So there you go. I can't recall whether you have done a reading project episode. I don't know if this will count. I was wondering that too. Maybe partially. Um, that would be a great topic. I tend to do that myself with varying degrees of success and I'd love to know your history with them. So, um, we will, we will, get back with you on that Ben. In fact, it looks like he's writing another DM right now as I'm saying this. <laughs> I see his little his little <laughs> dot 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 dot. So we'll see how that goes, but yeah, I think people will be interested in your Shakespeare um project whether you do it uh you know, how you choose to do it, whether it, it does yield the fruit that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. I know I am because I'm I'm halfway tempted to to not to direct or or make you like change or even consider certain things. But as you put it out there, I may want to jump in and just be like a side reader. Like any, any, any listener might be out there, you know, Oh, I'm going to do that a little bit too and see how my experience lines up with Paul. Uh, Because it's been a while since I've really dug into, to Shakespeare, you know, over the last few years, it's probably been a couple of years since I read one of his plays and Mm -hmm. would like to do that. And, you know, it'd be kind of fun. I don't know if this is possible, but down in Cedar City here in Utah, which uh, for you is just a trip down the interstate. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's a trip down the interstate <laughs> to meet up down in Southern Utah. They have a Shakespeare festival. Oh, that would be and, awesome. And it'd be kind of fun to to someday, maybe not maybe not in 2022, but maybe someday catch a Shakespeare, Ooh, uh, yeah. you know, spend a couple of days uh, doing a, a MOOCs podcast get together at the the Shakespeare Fest down in Cedar City. I love that idea. That would be great. Yeah, and I would welcome I would welcome you to join in however much you want to. And anybody who's out there, you know, if that sounds appealing to you, first of all, feel free to send me if you've had some success, if you had a any kind of a project like this where you've found a certain order that really worked for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would welcome anybody's input or what worked, what didn't work, any you know, yeah. f- film adaptations, anything like that that's just Shakespeare related. I would love to hear people's thoughts because, like I yeah. said, I'm 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 going into it fairly open minded and just going to see where it goes. So. Yeah, I'd be very curious about people's suggestions too. I mean, of course, there's no way to do it 
and know for sure you're doing it chronologically, but you have some good ideas. I think the Riverside mm-hmm. Shakespeare set up in, in a in a a well educated idea of what's chronological, even though mm-hmm. they will acknowledge, you know, these could there could be some some tweaks here. Right. But the problem with doing that is you start with like the the Henry the Sixth plays, and they're fun, but they are not his best by any means and you get you you get threatened to kind of get buried in in those and so might be good just to take whatever it is that's intriguing you at the moment and yeah and jump in i think so too yeah it's that we talk about it often but that whole idea of no matter who the author is when you are Mm -hmm. starting to to either dive back in or, or approach a new author do you start with the best of the best or do you you know, do you kind of work your way up to the best? And, you know, with Shakespeare, there's lots of best to choose from. So that part shouldn't be yeah. a problem. But yeah, it'll be fun. All right. Mine would be kind of similar, but not Shakespeare and not nearly as ambitious. Well, or rather potentially, right? I don't know. But I do have the goal of more Dickens mm. in 2022 because I, I really have enjoyed getting back to Dickens this last year i talked about this recently you know on the our holiday reading plans of doing david copperfield which i'm doing but i want to keep it going and i didn't want to just say read another book by dickens i decided i'm going to read two two of his novels at least uh, that's a that's my intention nice. um and right now i'm thinking bleak house which i've owned for a long time and had the same experience where i went to get it because i've you know i'm going to read bleak house and then i you know, bought it and whoa, what am I doing with this, you know, thing in my hands? This is like a, you know, major commitment and I've never done it. And then on Twitter the other day, we, we, I, you know, from uh, our friend Levi Stahl uh, said the Pickwick papers uh, uh, was brilliant. And I think Ben may have been in on that conversation too, uh, saying it's, it's kind of a good holiday read. Well, I'm not doing it this holiday season, or at least may, I don't know, maybe I'll get there, but I'm thinking that might be a good one to plan for 2022 holidays, but between now and then, um, you know, something like bleak house, probably bleak house. Let's, let's just be, you know, let's be ambitious and go for it. So might as well, this is the time of year for optimism. So, right. Yeah. No, it's funny (laughs) you say that because I had kind of divided up some of my into like general sections and under classics that I might read this year. I had a reread of bleak house with a question Mm. mark next to it. Um, because my problem, or it's not a problem, I there's as much as I love Dickens, there's still a fair chunk of his stuff that I have not read at all. Mm-hmm. And so it's always that thing of, do I want to go back and revisit a favorite or do I want to continue to explore some new things? And not to say it has to be an either or, but yeah, I may end up making this a bleak house year myself. Well, your reading of the opening pair or, you know, section of the fog that we did mm-hmm. in that, um, our favorite openings episode a while back definitely sparked a lot of this interest in getting back to dickens and Good. so i'm looking forward to that and could tell you have a lot of affection for the book just I from do. that episode yeah absolutely well that that makes me very happy as you know um david copperfield for now and then moving yeah. on to some other stuff i love it have you read the pickwick papers is that one no. that's uh, okay i haven't so that's one i was gonna say like depending on what you end up doing maybe around the next holiday season that might be a fun one to join you because yeah yeah there there are some pickwick papers i can sense a christmas special already pickwick I, papers. Yeah, I uh, oh, oh, okay we can't do this that that's <laughs> <laughs> 
but we can we can have that hope right that's what we were exactly. talking about <laughs> no that sounds like a lot of fun yeah well that sounds great i mean I'll, I'll kind of carry your theme on with classics and and mine the big one that i have you know next year's don quixote so to speak the one that i've kind of been percolating about a lot is the brothers karamazov oh, okay um, i've okay. just not i've never read that one it's been sitting on my shelf for years and years and i you know i've read a fair number of the russians over the last 5 or 10 years and that's just one of the big gaps that i feel like not not in any kind of like i need to do it but just it's it appeals to me it sounds great you know i loved crime and punishment um so anyway that's top of my classics list um i have some other ones that i i would like to revisit middlemarch as well mm-hmm. um that's one that just keeps coming up so often and I loved it so much when I read it probably five years ago um, that I think that's another one. So, you know, all three of those are big bleak house brothers, Karamontov, and middle March. <laughs> so that alone might be a good chunk yeah. of my year if I actually get to them all, but those all really appeal to me. Um, we'll have to, maybe I shouldn't ask you this. It's its own episode on big books and mm-hmm. you're, you're the ones that you're like your, your great whales out there that you still want to. Yeah, you know, no, it's chase. funny. That's, I mean, if you want to talk about it now, I actually had, that was kind of one of my general <laughs> categories that I had for 2022. So we can get to that in a minute if you want to. Did you have any? Do you want to no, go there now? No, Do you have any? No, let's, let's let you, okay. let, well, Bleak House. That, that yeah, is the last true. one. That is the only one that I have that's like that. I, um, but the Brothers Karamazov, going back to that just for mm-hmm. a second. Have we talked about this? I think, I think when you sent me on my uh, chase to buy uh, David Copperfield and I kind of like, Paul, do you know how big this book is? Do you have any idea? <laughs> right. Um, I think I may have said, well, I'll return the favor and keep the pressure up for you to read the brothers Karamazov mm-hmm. because I do. I love, I love that book. And it's one of these reading experiences. I was in college and in a tiny town where the only bookstore was two racks at a local craft store, mm. you know, a lot of signet, signet classics. I mean, other than the, you know, the, the bookstore that was at the, the college itself, which, you know, was fun to go and look at still, but, you know, signet classics, tiny paperbacks. And I remember it was like March or April. And I went and pulled off the brothers Karamazov and just on a whim said, okay, this is what I'm starting today. And I grabbed it and I took it home. And I remember reading like 50 pages right then and there, just enthralled, just so excited. And um, it was in May of that year that I went on a trip to England and took a tour, you know, kind of on a bus all the way around. Mm-hmm. And I read that um, that whole time and f- finished wow. it somewhere there. I can't remember exactly where it was. I, I know I write, I, I usually write where I finish books and when in the back of them, but I don't even know where my copy of that is. Anyway, uh, really just one of those really great reading experiences where I was invested from beginning to end in the characters' lives and in their stories. So if you choose that one, uh, it's been a long time. I don't remember a lot of it, but I remember moments and I remember feelings. I'll be very interested in in, uh, getting your thoughts and kind of that happiness of of maybe hopefully seeing you enjoy a book that I have enjoyed in the past. Yeah, that sounds great. You might hate it, but (laughs) (laughs) very unlikely, very unlikely. I mean, I I really loved crime and punishment and the same way that you just described where I don't remember tons of details 
but it's one of those really he's a, such a visceral writer mm-hmm. and some of the scenes or just the emotions you feel while you're reading it have really stuck with me for years so i know what you're saying there yeah 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 oh well that that'll be fun that'll be fun well i'll hope that you keep that one selfishly but yeah. i'll understand if you you know do bleak house or middle march instead and then it just you know it's next yeah. year before you you revisit it well we're being optimistic so as of now like i i think i could do more than one of those for sure i i would picture brothers karamata for sure and then probably like middle march or bleak house since they're both rereads i could see getting to one or the other of them maybe not all three but well don't forget you and i both i mean have the the book of jacob I know, <laughs> which is its own beast of a of a book. But I well, and I haven't even excited. gotten to my big book section of this discussion yet. So. <laughs> well, let me let me pull us down a little bit, and then we'll get okay. back to these lofty, you know, right. godlike ambition for the next year. <laughs> so, one of my goals this year is to get back into the Brother Cadfail novels. We talked about mm-hmm. this when I went to the bookstore and, and found, you know, the kind of a treasure trove. I need to get through them now. And I need to, 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 I I like sometimes having a a series that I'm going to pick through during the year. And I thought, oh, do I want to read one of these a month? I mean, they're short, 200 pages, you know, tiny little, little paperbacks. So I can do that. Like that's doable. It's a matter of keeping up the stamina and and the enjoyment, not burning out. But I do like his book, you know, these uh, Ellis Peters, Brother Cadfell mysteries, the Benedictine monk you know, during the the time of Queen Maud and all of that in, in British history, it's a, it's a lot of fun and the setting's great. And so I'm thinking I might do the right now, one a month and they have an order and I'm going to do them in order. And I'm not going to start at the beginning because I don't want to reread uh, at this point, any mm-hmm. of them. I'd want to, I want to keep going with the ones I haven't read yet. So that's that that's one of my reading intentions for the year. You said you've read some of them. Are you like, do you know roughly how many of them you have um, in your belt already? No, no I don't remember. I'll have to go back and look. I know I've read at least the first three. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've read four or five, but I know I've read the first three because I remember them and I remember their titles and I remember the stories still. Yeah. Uh, but I can't quite remember four if I've read it or not. So that may be where I begin just because even if I can't remember it, I probably didn't read it. Right. But it doesn't matter if I did. (laughs) Am I safe to assume that if you pick up on say book four, that it's not necessarily something where if you don't remember every detail of plot three, you're going to be in the weeds. Like, does it do a good job of either not requiring that or else kind of filling you in and catching you up? I don't remember. It's been a while since I read them. Mm-hmm. I know that some characters become, you know, characters, but I, I actually feel pretty comfortable in the world. Yeah. I don't know why, but I feel like she did such a good job establishing the 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 monastery and some of the main characters, plus some of it's historical, mm-hmm. and that I'm I feel good. I feel good, and there's always Wikipedia. Yeah, if I'm exactly. really starting to get to get lost, so so I, yeah. I'm comfortable. I, and no, I don't think it's not like a series where everything in book three or four, you know, has to build on what came before. I mean, they are, I believe, and maybe it changes later on, but I believe they're all discrete mis- uh, mysteries. Yeah, 
he just lives at a bad time in this monastery, you know. <laughs> right. It's like murder she wrote, you know, like if she showed up in my town, I would leave immediately because oh, no. something bad is gonna happen. <laughs> well, there there would be the uh there's the instigating incident. You'd be dead. That's true. And your wife would be like, oh, he just had to leave because you were coming. Well, I think <laughs> something happened. Yeah. You know, don't do don't leave. I don't know what you yeah. should do. <laughs> exactly. I don't know either, but yeah. I hope hopefully that'll never be an issue. Old Angela Lansbury won't be showing up on my door. Um now that sounds like a lot of fun though. Well, I, I'm I'm excited about it. Again, they're they're fun books and they're fun to hold. Like they're just tiny. <laughs> yeah, we talked about be that fun to previously. Where it's nice to have something like that where you can just have it with you. You know, mm-hmm. keep it in your pocket and just or your glove box or whatever, and just have it when you need it, waiting in line or something like that. Yeah, yeah I love that. Well, idea. so what do, what do you got next? So we we had our nature episode. You know, however long ago that was, and I was thinking about while planning for this episode, some other things that I might want to do in the coming year. And I always like to make sure that I'm reading some nature books. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was thinking, we talked about some of the, maybe my my nature book bucket list, if we want to say that. And there's some that have been on there for a long time that I have just not gotten to. So one of them that I mentioned was John McPhee, The Annals of the Former World, which is kind of a deep dive into the geology of the US and goes into all kinds of, you know, I think we talked about this, but he's he's a former you know English literature professor, so he's a very good writer. But yet he delves into kind of the geology, and that sounds wonderful to me. So I'm thinking either that one, your buddy Lauren Isley, which I keep mentioning, and if I don't read him soon, you're going to just start rolling your eyes whenever I talk about it. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll just be excited for you. Yeah. You'll get there. <laughs> yeah, or else William Least Heat Moon, who I talked about as well, who has written that series of you know. I say series, but those books, Blue Highways, Prairie Earth, and River Horse, where he kind of delves into certain areas of the country. So one of those three, like I said, I like to keep it kind of give myself some wiggle room, but one of those three I would like to get to sometime in the coming year, because all three, again, have been on my radar for a while now, and they just all three sound so wonderful to me. I I keep saving them, but I think this is the year for at least one of them. Well, and I just sent you a picture. I just got the new Rachel Carson a trio oh, wow. in from the library of America. And I, I, there you go. I mean, there's another one to, to tempt you. Yeah. That really does tempt me a lot. <laughs> like I think I've told you, I have like a couple of tattered old copies of her books that I picked up over the years at used bookstores. But when you sent me that picture, I was like, Oh, that's <laughs> gorgeous. I mean, it's such a beautiful edition. All mm-hmm. of them collected in one library of America always does such a great job. So yeah. Uh, do you think you'll, get to that one anytime soon yes yes it's still in the shrink wrap uh but i do intend to get to it they actually sent me a pdf as well that which i have been digging into over the last couple of months so i that's why it's still in shrink wrap i'm like oh i've already read the first uh chunk Mm. of this but yes Mm i that's going to be one that i'm reading just for review purposes and for enjoyment it's Mm -hmm. it's very well worth it so far and i'm assuming we'll stick there yeah. So, so yeah, when you started to say nature writing, I'm like, oh no, I haven't been. And then I thought, wait a minute. Yeah, you have. I'm ahead of the game here. <laughs> yeah. It just comes so naturally to you. Right. Well, and there's the new NYR books, uh, In the Eye of the Wild by mm. Nastasia Martin. Martin. I don't know how she would say it. That is one that you need to read, regardless of big book plans. It's short. Yeah. Very, very short. You can get through it in a day. But yeah, don't, this is, I I will insist for your own, you will, you know, 
for you, Paul, mm-hmm. this is one I would insist that you read. It just is right in your wheelhouse. Yeah, it sounds like it. I that one talking about Christmas lists or if I get some gift cards, you know, to spend in January type of a thing. That one is at or very near the top of my list. And mm-hmm. I don't know that we've talked about it, but man, NYRB Classics always does such a good job. But that <sighs> imprint or however you want to say it, the NYR books. 2021 i mean they just knocked it out of the park i cannot believe how many good books they came out with this year and they seem like they're continuing on that role so yes they they're they're threatening to to overtake nyrb classics itself as the books that i'm most excited to get in the mail i mean yeah i've been very very happy with and yeah you're right their 2022 slate looks fantastic so yeah, that'll be fun to keep watching. New ways to take our money <laughs> happily. Yes, yes. We don't want it to change. <laughs> My next one that I want to talk about is short stories. Um, I've over the past several years, I've had the goal of reading and writing about each of Alice Monroe's stories, and I do need to finish that. But that's not my goal. However, it does give me a really quick chance to share some listener feedback from Jerry. And I sent you this one on. This is the one where he said, Paul and Trevor, if you're ever in Victoria, British Columbia, where I have lived for several years, I suggest spending an hour in Monroe's books. This store has a strong literary connection. It was co-founded by Alice Monroe several decades ago, and ownership remained with her ex-husband, Jim, following their divorce until just a few years before his 2016 passing. The store is architecturally stunning, and I have seen pictures of it. Um, I can't believe I didn't bring it up in our bookstores episode, but that, that that's why we have listeners to, to fill in the gaps. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I personally refer to it as the temple of reading, mm. which is perfect. Uh, finally, the store's inventory is carefully selected and includes many titles from independent publishers, including university presses. Just last week, I purchased a hardcover copy of the murder of professor Schlick by David Edmonds, a Princeton, Princeton university press title and Biblioasis, NYRB Classics, and Archipelago titles are always on their shelves. So thanks, Jerry, for that email. I, I know it's kind of buried in this episode, but um, thought it was a nice way to, for us to remember the joy of going to the bookstore and my own uh, love of Alice Monroe and, and the short story itself. And, you know, maybe awkwardly now bring it to my goal of... Peter Taylor, uh, there is a great dual volume, Library of America speaking of, uh, box set of the complete stories of Peter Taylor. And I got this when it came out. It's been a while. And I still have not read any of his stories. And that's sad. You know, it's one of these that I need the reading resolution episode to kick it off because it's it's just there like, oh, someday I'll get to that but it becomes part of the shelves. You know, I don't, mm-hmm. it doesn't stand out to me. And so I forget about it. And then the next time I see it, I'm like, Oh yeah, that'll be fun to get to. Right. Well, this is hopefully a reason to get to it. And I don't have a specific goal of like, I'm not going to read them all. I know that, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't have a goal of once a week or once a month, but I do have the goal of pulling it off and making sure that's on my bedstand table and making sure that I am uh, touching base with uh, his short stories, as well as others, but his in particular. I want to get to know his work uh, better. Yeah, I love that idea. I Actually, I was going to say, I don't know anything about him. And then I realized I do have a collection of his called The Old Forest and Other Stories. Hmm. 
Um, but I don't actually really know anything about him. So I'll be very curious to hear your thoughts as you start to do that. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Let me, I'll, I'll again edit out the awkward noises, but yeah, so I'll just show you. Here's the... Ooh, that's pretty. Who's the publisher a... on that one? Oh, you said, yeah. Yeah, Library of America. That's gorgeous. And I wonder if they complete stories 1960, 1992, and then 1938 to 1959. So there's a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> two, two volumes. Well, that's Except... another one of those authors we talk about how you can spend so much time reading books on my shelf but i don't really know anything about him so yeah i'll be no very fun. curious to hear what you uh what you find out and what I'm you think of in him. the same boat to an extent i i know that i looked into it when it arrived and and when it was you know on the horizon of being published and i know i've heard of peter taylor and i've seen his books and i know a few of them are very well regarded as some people's favorite books but dang it if i can even name it right now one of his books mm -hmm. so yeah this is definitely someone who maybe is at risk of being forgotten in general but certainly by me yeah exactly that sounds great well I'll, I'll keep your theme of stories short stories going because i think i do something similar to what you do while i'm reading these bigger books and novels and different things i'll have on my bedside table maybe a collection of stories and a collection of poetry like we've talked about so mm -hmm. I'll touch quickly on poetry. I'm going to continue from our Emily Dickinson to make my way through her poetry because I enjoyed that so much, the parts that I've read so far. I'm going to keep that going in 2022. And then as far as short stories, there's a couple of people who are on my radar. And Clarice, Clarice Lispector is mm, probably mm -hmm. at the very top of my list. Um, I, I have never read anything by her. And she continues to come up. You know how sometimes there's just an author that seems to kind of haunt you in a good way. Yeah. Like you just keep hearing about this author over and over again. And, and she's definitely that for me. So she is very high on my list. Maybe I'm going to just move that off my shelf, put it somewhere where I can't ignore it the, and just start dipping the, the in. Big, thick, the big, thick, pink Clarice Lispector complete exactly. stories. Yeah. Yep. It's right. It was right here kind of next to my Peter Taylor on the shelf. So yeah, exactly. I almost could have just swapped those out and joined you, but yeah. you know, I'm committed. I'm committed. All right. Yeah. No. <laughs> And then the other one, too, is just Flannery O'Connor. I just mm. keep meaning to revisit her. She's one where, having read her, of course, in school, I have a good, a decent familiarity with her. But again, she just keeps kind of calling to me a little bit. And, and it's just that time where I just need to start. Again, no set number, or I don't necessarily need to finish all of her stories this year. But it's just time for me to, to pull her off the shelf and, and spend some time with her. So those are the two collections that i kind of could picture myself you know reading throughout 2022 oh that sounds that sounds great yeah those will both haunt you a little bit mm -hmm. the specter and and uh, o'connor yeah <laughs> some light reading as usual <laughs> well i do have a poetry goal that's vague this is the most vague one that i have it's simply a book of poetry per month Ooh. I don't have any particulars in mind. I've got some that are in hand that I've not read yet that I should. But, you know, Louise Glick came out with a book mm -hmm. last year that I really want to get to. There are just some that are on that, that I see that I haven't picked up yet. But I want this to be a reason that I do. I want to I want to read more poetry and make it a more regular part of my routine, not just in April you know, National Poetry Reading Month, part of my routine. Mm -hmm. But that's that. that's about all I have for that. 
No, that's a good one. I, I really like that idea. I was looking over because I tend to, with poetry, I sometimes go to the giant collections. You know, I think it carries some weight. And so my eye is drawn to that on my shelf. But I have a whole stack of thin poetry books over mm-hmm. there that I kind of like your idea of, you know, not only just having it interspersed with other stuff, but maybe maybe I'll do something similar where I could kind of look at, pull some of those slimmer volumes down off the shelf and try to get into a little bit of a rhythm with that. I like that idea. Well, have you, we talked about this in Emily Dickinson, uh, Billy Collins' Picnic Lightning. Yeah, you know, no. Have you read that one? I think I haven't. I would recommend it to you and to others too. I know I recommended it in that episode, but that's one of those that I pulled down off the shelf one day back when it was just out and read from cover to cover and then read it again um, all in the same day because it was just so right for that moment and it's it's its own thing you know i'm not saying it's you know keats or dickinson or anything like that it, but it's it's lovely and you know with the, its title coming from lolita there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of fun stuff in there and that poem on emily dickinson i think maybe give you a little flavor of the 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 fun and the the silliness to an extent but also the the way they can take a dip all of a sudden and make you realize how serious it can be too. So that, that's a, that's a good one to, uh, that's, that's fairly thin that I can see. Yeah. I can see you enjoying. No, having heard you read a, a few of those poems over these episodes. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to, I have the art of drowning that mm-hmm. I was doing a search to see which Billy Collins books I had. And that's the one I do have. So I don't know if you are familiar with that particular yep. Yep. Okay. So, but yeah, no, the picnic lightning in particular sounds wonderful. It's my favorite of his, uh, for sure. But I do like the art of drowning uh, a lot. Uh, but there's something too about the production of picnic lightning. It's a beautiful book. It's kind of squarish, and the covers lovely. The art of drowning. I might like it better if they just published a better, you know, edition yeah. of it. So <laughs> it does make a difference. It does make a difference. <laughs> so uh, yeah. let's see. I've got one more that I want to bring up. Where Where are you at on your list? Yeah, I, I can kind of tailor it as needed. I have plenty of other ones going, but I I don't need to keep going on and on about it. I do. Why don't go ahead? Well, okay. Well, I'll I'll just say. I want to continue. This is not really a specific goal to 2022, but I'm always just very focused on continuing to read a lot of translated literature, you know, mm-hmm. books from around the world. And I mean, there's just a whole pile of, of books yeah. here that I could list. I mean, you know, um, you and I have talked a little bit about the melancholy of resistance. Mm-hmm. Um, I would still like to get the Grossman's book. Speaking of this again, I, I don't even know if I'm going to get to my category of big books, but half the books I'm mentioning here are giant. But um, In Memory of Memory by Maria Step- Stepanova yeah, has oh, been on my list. Yeah. that So I it's on my list too. Um, talking about beautiful books as well. That purple cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, it is beautiful. And yeah, I'm very excited to read that one. I haven't read it yet. Yeah. I mean, there's there's so many. But Your your Face Tomorrow, that trilogy from mm-hmm. Javier and Maria is, is pretty high on my list. Um, and then... Another I'm big always one. Of, another big I one. I know it's another big <laughs> one. Well, speaking of, there's that book Ken K I N from Archipelago that was like making so much buzz maybe three <laughs> months ago, and I mean that one's sitting over there. So, I guess my main, it's not any specific book necessarily, but 
but just I wanted to throw it out there that I continue to just so much appreciate all these wonderful publishers that are coming out with these amazing books from around the world and just how much that has enriched my life over the last, you know, probably five to 10 years that I've really made that a focus of my reading. And so it's become so natural now that I don't even really need to commit to it necessarily. But I just thought it was important to kind of acknowledge that and just say that will be a big part of my Mm -hmm. reading in 2022. I am glad you brought it up because I was trying to figure that out for my list, Uh, but I didn't have any particular translated literature goal. But you're right. That's that's just a thing. It's just a mm-hmm. thing I, I'm going to keep doing. So, Well, can I ask you, just related to that, this is something I was just thinking about. So one thing that I've done in the past couple of years, again, not any kind of formal thing, but I've just enjoyed exploring specific publishers during a given year. Like nothing prescriptive, but like two years ago, I got a, a subscription to Open Letter Books. Mm-hmm. And so I had kind of started to delve into their backlist a little bit and really enjoyed that. And then last year, it was Charco Press, that same kind of thing. My wife got me a bundle, one of their bundles for Christmas, and they kind of got them on my radar, and I really enjoyed that last year. So looking ahead to 2022, just generally speaking, two publishers that I think I'm going to kind of dig into a little bit more is Fitzcarraldo and the Dalky Archive, because mm-hmm. Dalky Archive has kind of gone through this revamping process um, with Deep Vellum. You know, there's this partnership going mm-hmm. on, and I know that they just came out with a new website, and all kinds of exciting things are happening. And I do have probably five or six of their books and I've read a couple of them, but I was just thinking that would be a really fun thing to do is just kind of Fitzcarraldo and Dalkey. Just maybe this is 2022 will be the year where I start to do a little digging into their backlist and just see what I've been missing. Yeah. Do you have any publishers like that, that you think maybe you could see in 2022 um, exploring a little bit, putting you on the spot? Okay. Yeah. Putting me on the spot. I'll have to get back with you on that particular, yeah. that might be a fun thing to, to go over uh, because no, none are coming to mind, not because I'm unwilling or don't have any, mm-hmm. but none are, none are popping right up no, that you have, that you haven't mentioned because, you know, Dalkey is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I had a rough spot with them over the past, you know, five or six years because of, it, it was hard. I didn't ever, ever know what they were publishing or when. Yeah. Um, but that has changed. And it doesn't seem like their ethos has changed, though. You know, the type of books they publish, and that's exciting because they right. have just a fantastic history and great backlist. And Fitzcarraldo, I mean, part of the reason the NYRP Books uh, imprint is so good here in the U.S. is they, they're publishing a lot of Fitzcarraldo books. Mm. <laughs> You'll, you know, you've probably have seen that, that s- several of the ones that, you know, there's a lot of overlap between yeah, those, those two. And so... But if if I were picking, I would say that one of the biggest surprises for me this last year was NYRP Books, mm-hmm. and that's probably the one I'm most excited about over in 2022, as we've already talked about. But that's that might would be my answer to that question. No, that's a great um, answer. Had you had we not already answered it? <laughs> yeah, no, and I didn't mean to put you on the spot. And no, that's okay. I don't know that necessarily people. I, I don't know if people necessarily think of planning around a certain publisher. But I think part of the reason that I've done that oh, is yeah. just with the subscriptions, like I said, it kind of puts them on your radar and you start to think of them as collective a little mm-hmm. bit more. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just a fun way to kind of think about it a little different. Yeah, just like there's an author behind the books, there's a, a publisher behind the books, too, mm-hmm. and the types of books they put out that can be just as enjoyable to get to know and and fall in thrall to. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. So, well, I will give my last uh, reading intention. 
And it's all about Penelope Fitzgerald. She mm. wrote nine novels as she got older um, in her later years. And her first five are kind of based on things in her own life, like living on a boat in the Thames or working at the BBC or, you know, things like that, that mm. she, she wrote her first five novels about those. And I've read all of those. And then she wrote her last four, which are kind of historical, including the, the, the big one that you hear about all the time, you know, the blue flower, that's her last mm-hmm. book. And I've read that one, but I have not read the other three historical ones. That is uh, innocence, the beginnings there, the beginning of spring and the gate of angels. And I'm thinking this is the year to clean it off, finish her up, be, you know, not because I want to be done with her, but because I, I want to complete my, knowledge of her work and then maybe revisit things, you know, in the future. But I've been putting it off because I don't want to never have another Penelope Fitzgerald book to read, but I need to read it. You know, that's why they're there. Right. (laughs) So that's, that's my last, uh, my last goal. I know there'll be plenty of others and you certainly inspired me to have a few others today, but yeah, Penelope Fitzgerald as an author to complete this year. I love that goal. She's one that I have, I've read the bookshop. Oh, and I, I love believe that I do too. And for some reason I have not read any of her other stuff, even though I do own at least a couple others. I know I own the gate of angels and the blue flower. Do you and own I offshore? Like I, I the thought, one that won the booker? It's not coming up in my, Oh yeah, I'm sorry. It's in one. It's in a, is it a library of America? Oh, it's in an every man edition. I do have offshore. And it's in a collection with human voices and the beginning of spring. Hmm. So those okay. three are collected together. Yeah. Offshore. That might be a good one. That, I don't it's, know. It's lovely. And it's short. And she, in fact, reader a while lot of you're... of are, right? Yeah. Reader while you're reading Joy Williams. Offshore. There's a, there's a weirdness and just a bit mm. of, of that that you're never quite sure if it's meant to be funny or tragic. And I think that that would be... That would be one that I would recommend that if you never read anything else by her, read Offshore. Okay. I, I would have recommended the bookshop first and foremost. Right. But yeah, I, I think you're safe going on to Offshore. It took me a while. Like the first two or three paragraphs, I'm like, I don't even know what I just read. Mm-hmm. But then settled into it, reread them, <laughs> and really, really like Offshore. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned her because you what what you described earlier is perfect how sometimes a book will kind of blend into your bookshelf and your eyes kind of scan over it because mm. you've just had it. And I think sometimes with her books, I do have a tendency to do that. I don't know if it's just because they're small and, and they kind of just you know blend in amongst, amongst the bigger ones. But I'm glad you mentioned her. I'm going to have to pull her out and maybe I'll try Offshore this year. Well, I don't think you ever got back to your big books goal. Should we go there? Or do you have a different one that you'd rather? Well, no, go let's go there. And again, this I so many of the books I've mentioned are big already. Yeah, clearly you have that goal this year, <laughs> right? So, Brothers Karamazov. I mean, that is the book that I will get to this year. So that's why when I mentioned some of these other big ones, these are just ones that continue to kind of call to me. I think for whatever reason, my personality, I just am drawn to some of the, those mm-hmm. big collections, but. One of the big ones that I would like to get to very soon is Anniversaries, which hmm. you mentioned, the, the big dual NYRB box set. I mean, I bought that the second it came out because <laughs> I was so excited that they were doing it. I wanted to support them because I think they took a little bit of a risk, you know, just doing something yeah. big and different. And, and I wanted to make sure that I supported them. But also, it just sounds so wonderful. Um, I know that you have 
read have you read the whole thing yeah yeah it is everything that you you said it is towering and complicated and yet simple because you read a day by day kind of thing yeah. it's very it's very easy to to dive in and and get involved and you just love the you know gazina and maria crespo mm-hmm. you just love being with them and sympathizing with them and seeing them in their ups and downs over the year there's that passage of time element that both of us like uh marking the days the seasons it's it's um it's awesome yeah remind me did you read it day by day like some people have done or did you read it a little more quickly or how did you approach i it? did well a little bit of both so i did read it all in one fell swoop when it came out because i was reading it for a review mm-hmm. and uh, i think even when i reviewed it i had not finished it and i said it in my review i haven't finished this yet i but it's going to be one of the best books of the year for me but i want to let people know about it you know i've i've read enough of it to to be uh, completely taken by it and this is not a book that you have to finish to be in love with and get a whole bunch of stuff out of but I did finish it um, at that time, you know, when it first came out. And then I started it again, reading it day by day with the days of the, the mm-hmm. that we were on. Really enjoyed that, but also fell off the wagon and had yeah. a really hard time getting back into it. That's a long time to, to, to do a book day to day. It was a tough, I wouldn't, while I would recommend that, it didn't quite work for me as well as just being able to keep on because I didn't want to stop sometimes. I know that's my thing is I I've, I don't know. We talked about like the Levant trilogy, how a lot of times it's like 18 or 20 pages if you're in mm-hmm. one of these reading groups. And sometimes I kind of rebel against that idea. Cause I want to just keep going this with the Levant trilogy specifically. I've found some value. I've really enjoyed holding myself to that 18 pages a day or so. But I do think with something like anniversaries, the way I envision myself doing it would I'd be more likely not to chop it up into tiny sections and maybe I would just go with it. Yeah. I mean, it's probably its own type of, of accomplishment and its own experience because yeah, it was super cool to be reading about, you know, early September in New York city when it was hitting September for, you know, the fall approaching, you know, the seasons and, and have that be going on outside. But I didn't, I didn't, I didn't succeed at doing it that way. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't yeah. recommend it because it didn't work for me, <laughs> but it, it probably, right. if it had, I might even look on that as one of the best experiences ever because it would have stuck with me a full year. Um, but yeah. Well, that's the nice thing about something like that is it's not to say you couldn't do it again someday if you wanted to, but I, I think. And I intend, I actually intend to try that again someday. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that one I, I would like to, and I, I think I might dive into it at some point this year and then you know there's several other ones but realistically the other one that i would really like to get back to is uh carl ova knausgaard the Mm. my struggle series i started the first one or i mean i finished the first one read the second one and then i kind of stalled out on the series not because i wasn't enjoying them but just i think i don't remember exactly honestly why i stopped so they're, they're so good and so interesting and I, I just feel like this is the time. I, I don't want to let it turn into one of those things where I always mean to get back to them and never yeah. do. And especially because I know like people have some mixed feelings about him and everything. Over, you know, like I don't want time to kind of erase the excitement that I felt about 
diving into that when Archipelago first came out with them. And I was just kind of new to the whole idea and, and really excited about it. And so my decision is whether I want to start on book three or, or whether I want to start over and, and work my way back through the first two again. But anyway, I would like to really get back to those because they're so good. I don't remember if you've read any of those or not, but yeah, I had the same thing as you read the first two, really loved them, kind of stalled out on book three and then thought maybe I've already gotten the main stuff out of this, like the process, mm-hmm. the exceptionally detailed, um, work, you know, maybe I've already, maybe I don't need to finish them to feel like I've gotten what there is to get from them. Right. So I don't know if I'll ever get back and and finish it or not. Yeah. But uh, I did, I did, I loved the first two books, the insights there, the, the hard, the hard stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but maybe it's kind of like the wheel of time we talked about on our fantasy episode to kind of stall out the the excitement starts to fade and yeah, maybe you owe it to yourself to get back to that, that route and see how it pans out rather than yeah, exactly. Then get discouraged by it being fairly long again and, mm-hmm. you know, tedious at times. Yeah. But. I've heard that it goes interesting directions as you get further into the series and especially mm-hmm. towards the end. And so it does intrigue me, but anyway, so those are a couple that are just on my, on my list. But as we go throughout the year, I can touch on some of these other ones that may or may not spring up because there's, there's always plenty that again, that's kind of the excitement though. I like having way more books on there than I ever will realistically get to. That's kind of the fun of it. So, yeah, well, that's awesome. All right. We've been, we, we started this podcast thinking we'd do about a half hour. (laughs) We've never succeeded at that. And we're only getting longer and longer winded, Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm enjoying it. I'm not saying that as a, a, anything um, I hope listeners are as well. I, I'm going to let my recommendation stand on my maybe reading intentions and recommend people check out some of that stuff. But did you have a recommendation that you want to give before we end the episode? I mean, I'll, I'll keep it very quick. Um, there's this book called Here, H-E-R-E, by Richard McGuire. It's a graphic novel. Hmm. I don't know if you've heard of that one, but... Mm-mm. It's fascinating. It Apparently, it originated as a 36-panel story that was published in 1989 in a magazine called Raw. It's a comics journal. So I guess at the time, it was this huge buzz in the comic world, um, and enough so that over time, it has been adapted. This is a 304-page book, and it's described <laughs> as interconnected, overlapping storylines. So it's just fascinating. We talk a lot about time on this podcast, and this is one of the coolest examples of time that I've ever seen. So it basically takes place all in one room or in one space. And so I'm showing Trevor here. There's some pictures of, you know, the artwork. It's almost like a photorealistic type of artwork. And it will show this different, it'll show this room over time. But the interesting thing about it is it will show it in the 1950s and then it'll show it in 1951, 1952. All of a sudden you will notice in the bottom right hand corner, there's like this cutout and it'll say 1750 and it'll show a fox running across. But that's within the picture of the 1950s, like leave it to beaver living room. And what you start to realize is it's showing this one specific spot in the world over the course of time and it jumps around. It's not in any linear time, but the really cool thing is like, so they'll show like, again, I'm showing Trevor, but you'll see like sometimes as it gets further on, on one page, there'll be four or five interposed 
snippets of time all appearing on the same page. And so you're seeing like a Native American person who is taking a bath in a lake right on the spot where later on this is somebody's living room. And then there's even these really interesting things where suddenly it'll show a dinosaur walking past or it'll just show like this time billions of years ago where it was not even like it's just gas. So anyway, I don't know. It's it's there's no narrative really to it. I mean, you can start to piece together little bits of narrative if you pay close attention. But for me, it's not about that. It's more about this really fascinating idea of wherever you are at a given time, there's this deep time history that spreads clear back. Um, so anyway, it's called Here by Richard McGuire. I don't know if I've done a very good job of describing it, but I got it from the library and have just been fascinated. I've gone through it. I've read it now several different times, and I recommended it to a friend at work. My wife's read it. All of us have just really found it super fascinating. So I would just recommend somebody look it up and see if it appeals to you. But yeah, that I really does like it. look great. And the thing that's kind of nice about that, those those pictures were lovely like like mm-hmm. again that that threatens to wear itself out pretty quick as a concept you know something yeah. to explore but those were surprising and delightful to look at yeah showing me some more i have to check this one out too that is really intriguing yeah i hadn't hadn't heard about that yeah and like a lot of graphic novels if you want to you could probably read it in 30 45 minutes or you could spend a good part of a day uh-huh. just really exploring the artwork. So yeah, I, I don't read a ton of graphic novels, but every once in a while, one will come across my radar that the the ones I do read, I tend to really enjoy them. And this is very high on my list. So anyway, cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for that recommendation. I'm glad we didn't skip yours. <laughs> so, all right. Well, Paul, once again, nice to be with you. Happy new year. I can't wait to keep on doing this in 2022. I'm excited for our plans. I'm excited to, to for the serendipity of the reading uh, year and to see what we where we get. You know, I'm I just excited about the future. So me too. <laughs> I can't wait to find out where we're going to go next. And thanks everybody for listening. We're looking forward to 2022. This has been a blast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mooks and the Gripes podcast. You can follow the Mooks and the Gripes and get show notes and book and film reviews at mooksandgripes.com. On Twitter, you can follow Trevor at Mooks and Paul at BiblioPaul. You can also get information about future shows on our Patreon. If you'd like to donate to the show, anything and everything, even a dollar a month helps and is deeply appreciated. You can become a Patreon at patreon.com mooks. Until next time.